0: I had no concept of what she would need and what I would need and that I would completely disconnect from the rest of the world. And from the concept of working, it was like completely foreign to me and that everything would be about her for a, quite a period. I mean, I remember at a point, I think a month after she was born, I was back on stage. I didn't get that time. To, I had to get on a plane and go and fly and go and do a gig. Otherwise, we weren't going to eat, so.
1: Welcome to Shotgun Story, A podcast that has conversations with indie creators about music meaning and the point of it all so that you may be inspired by the journeys of other artists who are doing it for themselves and maybe gain a little more understanding as to why it matters quite so much that you keep creating There is so much to understand about what it means to have a career as an independent artist. And when you add children to the mix, it can become a little more complex. To help keep you creating, we're excited to bring you this 10-part series, focusing particularly on being a parent in the music industry. This project is made possible with support from the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung, and Goethe Institute. As a musician and a parent, I know firsthand some of the challenges faced, and so these conversations have been really eye-opening. And remember to go to shotguntory.com for bonus behind-the-scenes content from today's episode, as well as to explore the other conversations in this series. Tomorrow day is a creator, a manifesto, a mother, an entertainer, and a magic maker. And she's in studio with us today. Hi. Hi. Nice yeah. To be here. Finally.
0: Oh
1: I'm so grateful you
0: came in. About time we sat down for a chat. Yeah, especially on such an important topic. Yes.
1: So let's start at the very beginning.
0: Hmm. Music. Hmm. What drew you here? It was definitely in the blood. Both my biological parents are musical. So I have to give a nod to that. My mom loved to sing and, and play guitar and wanted to be in a band. And my Italian birth father, the whole family played an instrument and sang, and they were in like a family band. And then my dad, Rodney, who adopted me and married my mom later on, and a huge music fan. So I just kind of was always around. I think music, though, is just one of the ways that I'm naturally drawn Uh, towards expressing myself it's not just through music I mean I'll use every avenue possible to kind of let the world know like who I am and music is the main way that I communicate that I think on a bigger level on like more of a universal level there's a way to reach people in a very important way and I think that was something that I've always gotten from music on a very personal level. Before anything else, I'm just like, I'm a fan. I'm a crazy, silly, embarrassing music fan. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> so like, so I understand it from that perspective first, like what that feels like mm. to listen to a song and feel like that's your story, to feel that connection. And that's it really. It's connection. It's feeling understood. It's feeling like... You're not alone. It's feeling like somebody gets you or somebody's gone through what you've gone through. It's, just, it's human connection on another level. So, and it's an, yeah, an incredible vehicle to, to effect massive change and to bring a lot of healing into people's lives. Cause I feel like music's always been like a massive healer in my life in a variety of ways. I'd like to believe it's the same way for the music I make other people I think that's ultimately the sort of bigger purpose behind it all you know what I mean beautiful Mm. I really love that so it is it is such a beautiful thing that human connection side of it I find it so funny the way I always thought it it must if you were an alien and you look down at planet earth and you were this kind of like evolved sort of more evolved species if there were aliens let's say and you look down upon earth and every time somebody puts music on, human beings feel compelled to like move their bodies around. And I always thought like that would be so hilarious for a more evolved being that we just feel this need to just stop moving. We can't even stop ourselves. And it's just such a cute little picture I always had in my head about how music makes us feel and makes us do things that where we just, we forget what anyone's thinking, or we forget our lives, we forget our hardships, we forget all that stuff, and we can be truly present in that moment and just let go. So I think there's just, it is really beautiful. I
1: also love that you make music that makes people
0: move their bodies. We must move them. <sighs> I feel like dancing is almost like a way to just shake off all that energy that doesn't serve us. It is a way of being incredibly present in the moment. I feel like we struggle with that, I struggle with that, I struggle with either being, you know, worrying about what's coming, what's next, or, you know, obsessing about things from the past. It's something I've had to really work on in my life. And when you're listening to music, you are fully present. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In that moment, in that feeling, and whatever's happening. I mean, yes, it can evoke nostalgia and it can bring back memories. I mean, it can do so many things. It's quite a magical little thing.
1: You've had a prolific career. For a listener who is not familiar with your journey, mm-hmm. what are some of the highlights
0: so far? Let's start with a moment when I was, I don't know, maybe 16 years old and I was underage and I was snuck out of the house with older friends and they'd taken me to a rave. And I found myself on a little dance floor and there was a vocal over this house music. And I just stood there and knew in that moment that that was going to be my voice one day. There were people dancing. I was completely naive. I was a kid. I was very young. I thought I was very grown up. So there was that moment. So that was a very important moment because I feel like it was a moment where there was quite a big penny drop of like, I knew there was something about that moment, that song, that style of music. The next big moment would be getting sort of discovered by DJ Pepsi. I happened to be like singing with a DJ in his lounge when he got home from some gig out of town. And he got home, there was like this white girl like singing over house music in his lounge. And he was like, who are you? He said, I'd love you to come and do this at one of my parties. And I was like, well, I didn't know who he was. I didn't know he was the younger brother of Osquito, you know, who is one of the forefathers of Kwaito, I mean, and Kalawa Jasmine Records and, you know, was this, has been this prolific figure in the music industry for many, many years. So I just unawares ended up in this space because I was super hungry to perform anywhere and everywhere. So that was a big moment because that then led to myself collaborating with Oskido and Bruce from Brothers of Peace and Kalawa Jasmine Records. And then that was my big break into the music industry. So. I went to their house one day and they had like a recording studio, which was in like a toilet. It was literally like, it was a bathroom and it was like this little narrow, and they played a track and I literally like jumped on the mic and just like freestyled over the track. And a few months later, I was still studying musical theater at Pretoria Tech. It was called Pretoria Tech back then, I don't know what it's called now, something else. And we were driving through the McDonald's drive through after class. My voice was on the radio. Like I had no concept that Oskido was like a big radio presenter. He was a radio DJ. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about quite. oh I just I knew house music. So I had no real concept of what was actually happening. I was yeah. quite like anyway. So that was a prolific moment, and then from there it was all systems go. Then I was kind of suddenly jumping up with them at various gigs, and and then at some point I started to get paid to do that and. <laughs> I think at that point I'd even moved – I'd lived on my own at some point while I was studying, but I'd moved back home and my dad would walk into the lounge and be like, "Were well, you going to get a real job, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh soon after that I started to you know, get paid something small for, like, performing or whatever, and that was quite a cool moment. Anyway, I just dived headfirst into that whole scene. Mm. At some point I realised, like, what else is going on in the world? Like, I actually didn't know. I'd completely lost touch. I didn't know what music was popular in – Europe, I just knew quite a, quite a, for breakfast, lunch and supper. Yeah. So there was a part of me that felt very like, I mean, this can't be it. And this was the first of me jumping from genre to genre. It was like the start of, I mean, I didn't know then, but that was going to be like a theme for me. So, yeah, and then I kind of left the label I was with at that time, which was an independent label, and went off on my own. I'm going to bring out a solo project, and I met Craig Massive. Mm. May he rest in peace. We're very, for those who are listening or watching, we lost him earlier this year to brain cancer, which is very, very sad. An incredible artist and producer and friend and brother and all the above. I met Craig, and... We started making some really different kind of stuff. We started a little act called Soul Cooler and we released a few singles that kind of blew up around the world and just like very unexpected. And they were playing us on BBC One and in parts of the world. I'd never been playlisted before. And I remember those singles coming out on, on vinyl. Ryan Dent came into the mix and then this was quite a prolific time. They'd hung out at some party dreamt up starting a dance band, and Ryan was like, "We need a vocalist, okay?" Because like, there's only one person, and it has to be tomorrow And they got back to Jo'burg and called me, and that was that. We got together, and Flash Republic started. We toured as a band for ten years. We released three albums. I felt like we had many more in us, but unfortunately, I think Craig and Ryan kind of ran out of steam a little bit, and. Yeah wanted to explore some other things in life but I was just getting warmed up so I was like okay cool so we decided to take a bit of a sabbatical and then I got to kind of rediscover who I was as a solo artist which I was very excited about But was a much more challenging journey than I'd anticipated but yeah did the DJ Zintle track colors that was amazing and loved working with her Oh, then at the end of 2019, I'd kind of been working really hard to kind of get myself back out there and I was really gaining momentum with some concepts I was working on. I was launching some cool corporate acts that I was producing and curating with friends. Work was picking up, lots of good stuff was happening, lots of opportunities were coming in. I landed Pan African music show that I was a judge on, which I loved. I've always wanted to judge a music show, so that was cool. I was scheduled to kind of do like a December tour. I didn't have management at the time. I have booking agents I was working with and I was like, I really need to book a little club tour for December. And for years I've worked in the LGBTQIA plus community. I've just, it's a community I've always loved and really resonated with in a very like organic and authentic way. And they've always loved me and I've always loved them. I think I've always kind of resonated with the underdog, you know, because mm. I always kind of felt like I was one for a long time. And I've always played the gay prides and the, Feather Awards and, you know, the Mr. Gay Worlds and played in those kind of spaces. But it was the same as any club gig for me or any gig. I, I never really kind of thought about it in a way beyond that. You know what I mean? And then at the end of 2019, I thought to myself, there are no, not many artists that actually tour in those spaces that really kind of focus on going to play at those clubs. I thought like, okay, other than good luck, maybe popping up here and there or their kind of resident DJs and their drag queens, and the drag acts, and beautiful drag acts. I just felt like there weren't really any, like, pop artists and other artists, like, really kind of focusing on those spaces. So I had this idea, like, I'm going to do a tour, like, just for those clubs. So I booked this tour, 2019, at all the gay clubs around the country. I played Bloom Pride. I played all the beefcakes around the country, everywhere, Cape Town, Pretoria, Joburg. And then on New Year's Eve, I think I played two... LGBTQIA+, it's such a long word, I'm sure it's even longer, uh, venues. I ended at Crew Bar as like the 12 o'clock performance. It was such a penny drop moment. I suddenly realized there's one place where all the aspects of me come into play. When I'm performing for the like African community and I'm doing like house or Afro house or quieta or whatever it might be, it's that girl that they want. That's my day. And then there's like the theatre side of me. And then there's, you know, those spaces. And then there's like tomorrow, the sort of club, you know, house, whatever in the more kind of electronic spaces. And then there's all these different kind of facets. And I just felt like, wow, this is the one space where like absolutely all those parts of me have their place. Mm. It's theatre, it's fashion, it's club it's pop it's all of it oh it's wonderful it's all of it yeah there's no gender there's no color and it was such a moment of wow maybe i've need to give this more of my attention and then i thought i'm gonna do this tour next year and i'm actually gonna do it every year and i'm gonna build on it and i'm gonna have dances and i'm gonna get brands involved it was like boom 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 and then because i toured in those spaces Mm. then obviously that inspired me and inspired the music i was making at the time because now I was like, I want more of my music playing in these clubs right now. Like yeah. I want these kids and it's just all these fluid spaces. And I was like, and also another thing about that community, which I love, it's like when you've been in the industry for a long time and you are no longer the new hot thing of the moment, now you've kind of moved into a different phase of your career where you're like, you're like, I don't know what you are. You're either yeah. like an OG or you're like, but... There's a bit of like an ageist thing that happens and there's this kind of attitude of like, you know, you've had your kind of moment and I'm just like, "Mm, I'm not going anywhere,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: nowhere. I just have so much to offer the world. Just not going anywhere, just not going to do it. And what I love about those spaces, again, which I also realised, was like their icons, their musical heroes, I mean, we're looking at people like Madonna sure, who can I say 70 years old and still has a Las Vegas show. So I love the fact that they're musical heroes. It's a forever thing. And I'm a forever thing. I'm that girl. So all of these things have inspired me and have gotten me to where I'm right now, which is this new sound that I've been cultivating for those spaces and for the world. Basically. Mm. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. So I've been making this beautiful disco house. It's like I'm quite tapped into like right now that the world needs a lot of healing and that I need a lot of healing. And I'm really zoned in with this project and this music I'm making to like the healing power of music. And I want Mm. the music I'm making right now to do exactly that. So the first single is called Disco Therapy. And that's exactly what it is. It's disco therapy and we all need it. Yeah, we do. And I didn't like the way music and musicians and everyone connected to our industry were kind of just sort of, it felt like it was just a little too easy for everyone to just kind of throw us away when people have forgotten that they can't get through what's going on without music. So I hated that there was this attitude of like during this pandemic that artists must learn a new skill. It's like, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Music is not just a job. It's a purpose. It is a big thing. It is a channel. It's a language. It's a necessity for human beings. We need it. We need it to thrive. I guess the music I'm making now is my response to what's going on in the world. Yeah. And that is to make beautiful, uplifting, hopeful, exciting, sexy, glamorous, gorgeous, (laughs) fun... (laughs) Fabulous music that can give us all the things. So, yeah, so that's where we are. Current day, current moment. Amazing.
1: And now, somewhere amongst all of this, Mm. you had a baby.
0: Oh, yes. Mm. I forgot that. That is the most prolific moment of them all. Mm -hmm. Mm. Oh,
1: gosh. Where are you in
0: your parenting journey? How old is your daughter? So, Lala is turning, short for Lala Bella, she's turning four on the 17th of December. Oh, it's just such an adorable little stage. You know what I say about this parenting thing? It's like, I'm one of those people who's always craved new experiences, craved excitements, connections, always been inspired by that new thing some taste sensation or some new feeling or whatever. Especially autistic people, we're very much inspired by that stuff. And I think at a stage in all our lives, there's so many firsts. Your first kiss, there's your first heartbreak, there's the first time you travelled, you've left the country, there's the first time you move into your own place, there's your first job, uh, you know, the first time you go out and get drunk or party or whatever. And there's all these firsts. And then you get to a point in your life where you sort of plateau mm. in terms of experiences You've lived, you've traveled, you've figured out what you want to maybe do with your life if you're lucky. You've loved, you've lost, you've done all the things. And there's not a lot of firsts anymore. Yeah. And then when I had Lala, this was the thing that blew my mind. Every day, there's a first. (laughs) Like every day. As a soul, you are expanding at a rate of I don't even know what. Every day. I'm a soul that's very connected to that to, like I say, expansion and experiences. And then I just felt like I don't know if there's another experience you can have on this earth that is the experience of nurturing a young soul through life. Whatever way that might look, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't matter if it's your own child or not or adoption. There's just nothing quite like it. Um, I don't think there's any amount of traveling or partying or music making or whatever, dating, or that could have your soul expanding at that kind of rate on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So if you tapped into that stuff, I'm like, go get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what to do because it's just – it is a really phenomenal, mind-blowing experience. Yeah. And so it is one of the most difficult things I've ever done, but undoubtedly the best thing I've ever done. So, yeah. Did you have any idea – of how much it would impact your career? Oh, mm. no, 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 no. I was a little bit naive <laughs> about a lot of things. She was unplanned but very much wanted. My soul just knew, even though it wasn't quite the way I imagined it happening, I just knew that this thing had been in motion for a long time and I just understood that this was it. <laughs> I had rationalised a lot of it in my mind. I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. This, that and the next thing and... This will be fine. And I wasn't prepared because there's a stage when you become a parent, especially when you become a new mother as well, you you almost lose touch. You disconnect with a bit of yourself or this version of yourself you knew before. And that all kind of gets flipped upside down and thrown on its head. And then there's this period where you kind of don't know where you belong, not sure who you are anymore. But it is, I realize now looking back at a kind of like a rebirth, at the time it felt quite distressful. You know, I work in an industry where there's no maternity leave. There's no support in any way for, I mean, not that I don't mean to complain. I'm sure there's many other women that go through this, millions in their various fields. But I'm just saying, so there was no maternity leave and there was a major pressure because I couldn't work for a period of months. And obviously every cent I made leading up was going into just trying to get together absolutely everything I could to, to bring her into the world mm. on my own, completely on my own, and just make sure she had everything she needed. You know, I was very blessed that at least I had some influence and I could work with some brands who were very supportive of me. And I managed to kind of lock down a lot of stuff in that way for her, which I'm very grateful for that I was able to do that. But I wasn't prepared for the sort of time, that pressure to kind of go back to work afterwards Mm. and how difficult it would be to get back into it and just kind of like, I tried to kind of prepare myself for it. So I was working on that Pan-African album, I mean, that I thought I was going to do the things. Mm. And I had this plan. I was literally about to pop and I was still in the recording studio. I mean, shame. She did a whole album with me in my stomach. Yeah she did that whole album I mean, she she's been on stage with me <laughs> for ages now I can't get her off the stage <laughs> at all <laughs> I thought if I can just get all the recordings done I can get everything then after she's born it'll be fine because I'll have done all my bits and then we'll be able to wrap up the rest no 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 mm. it didn't work out like that I had no concept of what she would need you know what I mean and what I would need and that I would completely disconnect from the rest of the world and from the concept of working it was like completely foreign to me and that everything would be about her for quite a period I mean I remember at a point just realizing like I just I mean I couldn't I think a month after she was born I was back on stage And I didn't, I didn't get that time to, I had to get on a plane and go and fly and go do a gig. Mm. Otherwise we weren't going to eat. So it was like that. Yeah. So it was like survival. (laughs) Let's go. So we did that. I mean, but no, I wasn't prepared for that stuff. I wasn't prepared for like how I would be a little disconnected from my creativity because I would be exhausted. And okay, there were other beautiful things. Like, I mean, I spent many sleepless nights just singing to her. And playing music to her, I mean, you know, you're feeding every two hours, you're not sleeping, you're completely strung out, you're literally on another planet. There's pregnancy hormones pulsing through your veins, you're completely madly in love, which they also don't prepare you for. Yeah. They just kind of talk about motherly love, so you think it's this thing, like... Oh, it's like the love of a mother with, for a child. Yeah. But what they don't explain to you is that you literally fall in love, madly in love. Mm. It felt like I had fallen head over heels. You know when you're like crazy in love and nothing and you're like a mess? That. Yeah, the oxytocin. It's nuts. Yeah. And then, I don't know, it's very hard to get back into work. And I had to because I had to look after us. Mm. And wow. That's another thing they don't prepare you for and that is such a beautiful blessing when you have kids is that you will find out what you are really made of. You will really find out what you're made of. If you thought you knew before you didn't, you didn't have a clue because when there's a little one involved, it's such a game-changer. You didn't know what your hustle was capable of. You didn't know how many late sleepless nights you could handle. You didn't know just what you could endure, (laughs) and you do. You just do it. It's amazing. It's really, really, really amazing. But the work, it took me a long time to get back in. There was also this, like, weird stuff that happens when you're a musician and you're a female and you have a baby. Firstly, before when you're pregnant, you're, like, now trying to work until the final minute because you're preparing for a child coming. Yeah. People are like, oh, who are we going to book for this gig? It's like, okay, no, why don't we book this, like tomorrow? Oof, isn't she pregnant? Isn't she having a baby? You know, it's like this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then afterwards, it's like, oof, didn't she just have a baby? Yeah. I mean, I was on stage in heels like this. I think I performed a gay pride, like literally a couple of weeks before I had her. So now the work is affected, the gigs are affected, and you're kind of, then you feel like, okay, well, I better let people know, like, I'm back.
1: Yeah. Totally. Then there's this
0: mad pressure to kind of get back out there, and you're not ready. Mm. You don't want to be out there. Trust me, you don't. Mm. You want to be with baby. I mean, I remember leaving the house for the first time. Walked down the street to go to like a nail bar or something around the corner. And I think for the first 10 minutes, I felt like I was on cloud nine. And then after that, I wanted to run home mm, yeah. and just be with my kid. I mean, you're just not prepared for any of that stuff. But yeah, there's like a funny stigma, like when you've had a baby and you're a and Totally. What weird, think? weird stigma. Now you've had a baby. Now maybe it like, kind of busts a bit of a weird bubble because the music in is very much about smoke and mirrors. It's like this funny thing where the audience kind of wants to know that you're human, but if you reveal too much, they kind of don't like that either. <laughs> yep. Like you can't go out there and start moaning about your life either. Like don't do that <laughs> because then you bust the bubble a little bit. Yeah. So it is kind of a weird space. I mean, I'm all about keeping it authentic and real. I'm just not really one to kind of spoil my dirty laundry out there. And it is a tough space to navigate public figures. You can say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and everybody makes mistakes and everybody's human. And I think we kind of forget that about people in the public eye. Yeah. <laughs> they get a bit of a rough ride. Well, they can do. I've had a few close calls, but, I mean, nothing too serious. Yeah. But I can see people really have a hard time. But I guess that's part of the job. And so do you feel like your fans' perception of you changed after you had a baby? Wow, I think maybe. I'm hoping they realize now, like, okay, no, it's not even a thing. Because the thing when you have a kid, people do have a different perspective on you. And there, there's all these weird assumptions, like, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, and you should probably stop doing that. And for me, the way I've approached the parenting journey is like, no, I'll do what works for me and I'll do my absolute best mm-hmm. and more, and that will be enough. And I will do it my way because there's no right and wrong way. There's only your best. There's only your experience, your narrative, your upbringing, your life, your choices. You know what I mean? But society's got quite strong views about how to do these things and what one should and shouldn't do. But I've got major issues with that stuff. I don't like the expectations that are placed on us as humans, as from a gender perspective, from race perspectives, from all these perspectives. Yeah. I don't I feel like there's a lot of change that needs to be affected. So I just was kinda like I felt all those pressures from society when I was pregnant and there's all these expectations and I was like, nah, no, 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 no. I'm just actually gonna listen. I mean, I've never been more present in my own body. I'm not there now. I was there. Yeah. And it was amazing actually. To be so present and so connected and trusting of this like amazing thing that our bodies are. It's like absolutely mind blowing. There's lots of little pressures, societal pressures that come in, and especially on women, and you just actually can't tap into those pressures because ultimately you are gonna do your best to give your kid the best possible life. And what that looks like has actually got nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, there are people that hire us and book us, and they've got their views. And and yeah, I think as females in the music industry, those things do come into play, for sure. Mm. They absolutely do. But I mean, we're going to keep making babies and keep making music. I don't think we're going to stop. I just think we need to be a bit more empowered about that journey and what that looks like. Yeah. Mm.
1: So there's just the
0: two of you. Mm. What is your support system like? My mom's been incredibly supportive. I'm very sad my younger brother emigrated to Australia. I'm very happy for him, but I'm sad he did. I would love to have him closer to us, him and his wife. My family's been amazing. My family are quite spread out. I've got my cousins around. I don't see them as much as I'd like to, but can I tell you where my real support system is? It's obviously my family. It's my daughter's best friend and her nanny, Angie. After I had Lala and the family and friends all went back to their lives, Yeah. And it was literally me and her. It was just, that was it. Yeah. It was just the two of us. And I was completely on my own. Yeah. I was like, oh, gosh, like, I really need help. I wasn't, you know, feeding myself. i was like, you know was that cold cup of coffee. I've got to invent something for moms that just keeps your coffee warm for like 24 hours. Because literally, the amount of times I would warm a cup of coffee in one day, same cup, same cup.
1: I think that you can get a USB coffee warmer.
0: Yeah. I think that exists. Yeah, Yeah. okay, yes. Somebody, it was a mother, mother, yeah, yeah, I needed needed (laughs) one. Anyway, I needed help, and Ange came into our lives a month or so after Lella was born, and she hasn't left, and she moved in with me, She's my daughter's best friend and she's another mother figure to my child and she's my best friend. We look after each other. She was like making sure I didn't forget to eat. You know what I mean? She wasn't just there for my child. She was like, she was like, you haven't eaten and so that was the beginning of a beautiful... She's family. She's my family. She's a huge support. So My mom was living in Cape Town, but I moved my mom up. My mom also needed a bit of support. She's been through some stuff and we needed each other.
2: Mm.
0: She works full time. So really, Ange and I are sort of holding it down 90% of the time. My mom's incredible on the weekends. She's there too. Her and Lala have a beautiful, beautiful connection. And we have had, during the pandemic, three generations of day women in one home. I mean, that I never saw coming. Yeah. And has actually been something I always treasure. A gift. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And my mom is a very strong woman who's made some bold choices in her life that always inspired me, and I've gone on to do similar things and make similar bold choices. And it's great that we all got to kind of share a space for a period and and all be together, grandmother, mother, daughter. So, yeah, so that's my immediate support system. And then can I just say my friends have been unbelievable. My friends are my family. Mm. I mean, they're my chosen family. Lalas, like, troop of gay uncles. Mm. I mean, you have no idea. (laughs) I mean, they love her. They have dance-offs with her. They want to babysit. I have incredible friends. Mm, I have my group of close friends who have been there for me in many ways, especially during this pandemic, when we've literally had nothing and there's been nowhere left to turn. A lot of my immediate group of friends, they know who they are, have come to the rescue. There's been support also from, like, complete strangers in other ways. There is a lot of help out there, and I think... I think one thing this pandemic's taught us is to kind of lean into it. I've always been a very proud person.
2: Mm.
0: I don't want people to know I'm struggling. I don't want people to know my stuff. I'd never borrow money from anyone. You know, I just wouldn't know. Proud, proud, proud. And tough times will force you to surrender your pride and see the beauty in what it is to allow yourself to be vulnerable and to be completely honest about what you're going through and see what strength there is in that and what it takes to allow yourself to be that and to lean on people who really would love to help you, who love you. Yeah, I've learned a lot through all of this. I think I did not know my own strength until having a child and then going through all the stuff we've had to face and... I mean, like, before the pandemic, I mean, life already had its challenges, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Mm.
1: What are some of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis, balancing motherhood
0: and your career? I think the biggest challenge is self-care. I just, it's like the last, it cannot be the last thing on the list because if I'm not looking after me, I'm not the best version of myself for my child. Yeah. But it is this very tricky thing to navigate and find a balance in because your gut is to make sure your child's sorted first before you'll take care of yourself. Yeah. It's what we all do as mothers. Mm-hmm. To actually look after yourself. Uh, you know, I've struggled and you can't not because you will begin to unravel and especially with what's going on in the world right now, we have to look after ourselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's not selfish mm-hmm. at all. It is so important. And it is the only way we can be the best version of ourselves for those we love. Yeah. So it's not selfish. It's absolutely a necessity. And we don't do it. Yep. It's like the last thing that gets done. And it can't go on like that. We have to look after ourselves yeah. as mothers. And the world needs to get on the page. And we need to change that language and change that narrative and change the way we look at that. Because mothers are burnt out. Look, I mean, with the pandemic, I'm not saying only mothers are burnt out. I don't want to exclude anyone, but I'm telling you on another level. So that's why more than ever, we've got to change this whole like self-care thing. It's not just going to go get your nails done and whatever. It's like finding ways to disconnect, reconnect, go inward. I mean, whatever it is, whatever combination of things you need to you can't compromise on it. It needs to be all of the above. I do things. I meditate. I There's things I do. During the pandemic, I got very sick and I realized I was holding on to a lot of like emotional pain that I wasn't dealing with, that I just kind of like tucked away because you just carry on. Yeah. You know, during the pandemic, I wasn't looking after my health. Like I would normally, I was incredibly stressed. There was all this stuff and Whatever little underlying thing I had going on just came sort of bubbling to the surface and I suddenly had a long spat of being really, really sick. And it was a big wake-up call because when you're really, really sick and you're in and out of hospital and you're having one surgery after the next, you can't be at home and be with your kid. No. And so I went on this mad, like very committed to my healing, this mad journey to kind of heal myself and do whatever it took to kind of change things that got me there. Because I mean, I realized like uh, I'm the only one that got me there. You know, whatever it was, whatever emotional stuff I was hanging on to, whatever it looked like, I took responsibility for it and was like, okay, I need to do things differently. But look, I do feel like the pandemic had a lot to do with it. But ultimately, we were chatting about, just earlier, like whatever you had going on bubbling under the surface that was not getting your attention, whether it was in your relationship, your business, your health, your whatever it was, going through this, it brought all all that stuff to the surface and you were forced to confront your stuff. Yeah. For me, there's a silver lining there. It's forced us to grow in so many ways. Yeah, it it's really been painful. Hurts. Continues to be painful and so hard for so many. Totally. But if you can focus on looking at it that way and seeing all the incredible blessings that are coming from all this hardship, there's so much hope there. Do you know of any industry support for parents, music industry? Zero. Absolutely zero. The music industry, I mean, that is like a foreign concept.
1: Mm. How do you think the industry could better support parents who are musicians? Well, we've
0: got to start with a big attitude shift, firstly.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Sure, I mean, it's got to start with the way we see parents. Firstly, the industry needs to care enough to understand what that looks like. People would need to take the time to understand what those challenges look like. So they don't think it's a thing. Yeah. And that interest even alone, there could come some possible solutions yep. or support, it's hard to even zone in on that because there's just, just as an industry, we just been so completely unsupported. I feel like there's an, a lot of kind of thing in the music industry as well where it's very much like just sort of every man for himself a lot. Yeah. There was a lot when I was sort of coming up that, like, people didn't share with me. And then there were some spaces where there was a lot of support. It was differently from the females in the industry.
1: That's nice to hear.
0: Yeah. I think because they'd had it tough before I came onto the scene, like really tough, very male-dominated. And maybe that's an issue is that, you know, it's maybe sort of heavily swayed to that sort of perspective. Mm. Got to get to the core of these things to kind of find the solutions, I guess. And I mean, it's so interesting that you bring these
1: things up because it's no wonder that there are not a lot of women in the industry when... We are penalised for our age, yeah, and we are penalised for having kids, yeah. And so women generally take a step back when they get older and have children, yeah, yeah. And as they are coming into their prime,
0: particularly, no, yes, exactly. Like I said, you have not figured out who you are like, until you've had a child. You also, like, only oh, really stepped into a feeling of my own greatness like, deep into my career, yeah. And it came through experience and just, I only knew once it happened that I hadn't been in that space. I hadn't stepped into that space. I was out there doing the things, but I wasn't there. I yeah. was far off from there. And it is something it, that comes with experience and a maturity and the wisdom and all of the stuff where you only really truly find yourself yeah. potentially much deep into the game. Yes. When you, that's when you really have. Important things to bring to your audience, to the yes. world, to your, you know what I mean, to the music industry, etc. Now it's all this like, A just bullshit and whatever else that's what's coming to play. That's why I was saying to you, it's like I look at artists like your sure, your Madonna's, but who are just still out there working, creating, unapologetically.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They have not tapped into that stuff. They're like, nah. They're like, no. And I'm so there as well. But also, I feel like in the culture here, in our culture here in Africa or South Africa, but maybe not in some other African countries, but in our specific, I I do feel like there's a real lack of also like kind of a respect and looking after iconic artists. They're artists who are icons who die in poverty, and there's no sense of nurturing. Maybe. As female artists step more into that space and we can bring more of that nurturing energy into the music industry. Perhaps things might change. I don't know. Because there is, I feel and has been a lack of that nurturing energy.
2: Yeah.
0: I feel like a lot of things I figured out, figured out like by accident because somebody like told me something random, but like there were people around me who were not sharing very important stuff with me. Yeah. I myself feel drawn to want to nurture it's a very throwaway space it's like if your stuff is not sticking it doesn't matter how talented you are you'll be kicked to the curb yeah it's very cutthroat in that way Mm. i mean so why would anyone even be thinking about musicians who are parents and how hard that is
1: yeah
0: i don't have the answers i feel like the start of it is to figure out where the problem comes from yes and I feel like there is generally a lack of that nurturing energy and spirit and heart in this industry. It's a tough industry, and maybe the pandemic has also forced us to kind of think about that as well, you know. Now,
1: you spoke earlier of how, at the beginning of having your new baby, mm. you were too exhausted to be creative. Mm. But now, some time has passed. Mm. How do you
0: think that having a child has impacted (gasps) your creativity? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. (sighs) I have always cared way too much what people think, like way too much, remember I told you the pride. Mm. I would regard myself as a, there's now a word for it, which I'm so chuffed about. I'm a shy extrovert. So people, I've been telling people this for years, like that I'm shy and they're like, they literally laugh in my face. Mm. Or I'll tell them like I'm not competitive, like I don't like competition. Just never had that thing in me. And I do sometimes wish I had it because I feel like I wonder where I'd be right now. But I'm shy. I love to be on a stage in front of hundreds of thousands of people that I can do that. But in real life, I don't like to make a scene. I don't want to jump the queue at the club, even though my friends, like put you tomorrow day, you can go to the just I'm like, no, because I I don't want people to think I'm an arsehole. I'm not an arsehole. But I've worried a lot about that. I've hated the box that people have automatically put me in. Oh, she's an artist. She loves herself. She's rich. She's, she thinks the son. you finish the rest of that sentence. She, you know, it's like, she's, she's a bitch. She's, you know, it's like all this stuff. And I spent a lot of energy trying to prove people wrong. Yeah. because I'm just not that, but it's wasted energy because I feel like I've held myself back. I've, Dumped myself down. I've, I've found it difficult to step into my greatness. Let's say we go to an after party, and there's a couple of artists, and there's a guitar in the corner. Some artists would naturally resonate towards the guitar and be serenading him at the party. Yeah. I will be cringing, yeah. dying, <laughs> dying a little, dying. I'm like, oh. No, and I had to get to a point where I realized like, that's actually held me back yeah. because you also need to be who you are. You need to be the artist that you are in every moment because you never know who's standing there when you bust out in song at the after party or whatever. Yeah. I'm a lot more of a yes person these days, whereas before I would talk myself out of a lot of things. Yeah. Now I'm like, don't even think about it. You're going (laughs) to just do that thing and suck it up. And I'm like, you get that thing. Don't even start with that. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like, yeah, very nervous. I'm backstage. Like fight or flight is kicking in every gig. I like want to haul ass out of there. And then I'm like, get a grip. I have to give myself pep talks. I mean, I used to have really bad nerves. My legs used to shake, but this is when I was still studying. And I have learned confidence. I've learned how to present myself up there. I've learned how to walk with my head up high. I know how to kind of talk to people, but I I do still die a little inside. (laughs) So with that whole long sob story, I've held myself back. I've cared way too much about what people think. So when I had Lala, with her, I never held back for a second. I would be stupid, silly, spaz, pull faces, Throw myself on the floor, swing her door open, and start like busting moves into her bedroom with the like my little music player playing. I literally, I probably danced into her bedroom like every day. I mean, you know, while she was in her crib, and we're still doing it now. So I, I just, I, I guess, I just didn't want her to hold herself back in the way that I have. And she gave me this beautiful gift of finding this. She gave me the strength and the inspiration to stop caring, to stop caring what people think, to just like falls to the wall. Like, because for her and only for her, I was finally able to step into that space. I don't, would never have been able to do that. And think about the ripple effect of that on my world, on the music I make, on the way I tackle anything. I've never been able to fully be that person. But for her, I was able to do that because of her. Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. It's really <laughs> big. You've got to show them what's possible. You've got to show them how you can live, how your world can look. You've got to paint that picture for them.
1: Yeah,
0: It's like through this whole pandemic, I just felt like there's so much that is hard and dark and sad. and There's a lot of that stuff about the world. We live in a crazy world. But it's my job as her parents to stay and make sure that I stay connected to everything that is beautiful, hopeful, inspiring, magnificent, incredible about the world, despite everything else that is also going on. Yeah. Because otherwise, what is the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm her connection to everything that is right in this world. Oh, that's, that's glorious. It. Like, you just are. And so... Again, what a beautiful gift to give me. Yeah. It's a complete two-way street. Everything that I'm trying to do with her is ultimately her gift to me.
1: And how does she feel about your music?
0: Oh, that's so cute. If something comes on, that's Mama. (laughs) Like, she knows. She understands what I do. I think before it was just this thing that was between us. I mean, even from when she was in my stomach, I was like, I don't know. I understood I needed to play her classical piano. I don't even know what that was. I mean, I don't remember ever listening to classical in my life. But just something, I just felt like. And we still listen to that playlist. Still, she now knows that's mom's job. Mm-hmm. She knows mama's got to get that cash. Yeah, she's figuring it out, and she knows she wants to be on that stage. So now there's. Can't get it off. At a stage, it was like cute, but then she would start going for the cables. That was when she was a bit younger, yeah. and then it would become like such a liability. And then there'd be a big meltdown. Yeah. At the gig, and then my mom would have to like haul her off, and then it was like, okay, she's just she's just too young to be at the gig. So we did that once or twice, and we were like, mm, no, that's too stressful for mum. <laughs> and it's for the client. Um, although they do all think it's cute, but it also cannot be cute. And now she's, she's a bit older, now she's four, and she's kind of, she'll sit on the side of the stage, but now she's gotten to a point where she's like, nah, I, I actually want to dance through this yeah. whole thing. <laughs> and then when the crowd clap for me, then she'll start taking bows. Like, <laughs> Sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So it's very cute. I don't think she understands the complexities of it all, yeah. but she understands that this is how we have the life that we have. Mm. She obviously wants me to stay and she doesn't want me to go and – Totally. But she, I've, we've chatted about it, and she knows I say, you know, this is how I want to make a beautiful life for us. I'm going to go out there and do this thing that I love. And she knows that I love music. Yeah. Beyond that side of it, it's very much a part of our love language. There's a great deal of love connected to the music as well. She's felt that and experienced it from before, she, like I said, while she was still in the womb. So beautiful to teach
1: that lesson that money comes from something you love. Yeah. Powerful.
0: I just want to be really honest. I think kids are so smart. I mean, those difficult conversations are, they're difficult. I mean, but I just want to be as honest as possible with her. Totally. You know, obviously with respect to her development and what she can handle and all that. But I just, I want to treat her as a mutually intelligent, smart aware soul and then we go from there yeah you know
1: as we sort of run towards the end Mm. do you have any advice for indie artists to keep them keeping on Mm. and those who
0: are thinking about becoming parents to the indie artists stay strong throw yourself into collaboration say yes to everything more than you'll say no You'll surprise yourself, and there are little opportunities to bring in that cash flow just around the corner in ways you would never expect. We've got to be even more adaptable than we already were. So stay adaptable, stay open, try things. We quite like, as artists, very like, this is me, this is who I am, this is my look, this is thing, I won't do that, this is what I do. I don't want to use the F word and I won't, but you know what I say to all of that, it's gotta go out the window. Yeah. Just surprise yourself because there are little opportunities waiting there. Then also change the language that's in your head. What we're saying to ourselves is very powerful. So I learned this lesson recently, that narrative that language the way you speak to yourself it's a big part of what blocks money from flowing into our world Mm. the power of the way we speak to ourselves and our association with money and that kind of stuff it's big yeah if you can kind of just think about that and meditate on that and when you catch yourself attaching negative words and thoughts to money you got to stop that in its tracks Act and think and speak money and flow and success and abundance into your life all the time, every day. And it's not easy. Trust me, I fail at it often, but it's something I'm aware of and I'm in practice. I'm learning. You know what I mean? I'm wealthy because you are. Look at what you're breathing. The sun comes up every day. There is abundance around you. You are loved. You are supported. Continue to talk and think like that and you will will talk and manifest a lot of abundance into your world and it can be financial abundance you don't have to be apologetic about that think about that stuff and investigate it do that work like it's really important so that's what i'd say to those independent artists and then create as much as you can never stop creating don't be too hard on yourself and then to answer your other question parents go for it just go for it it's never going to be a perfect ride You'll never know what you're doing completely. Everybody's experience is different. But if you're a soul that's interested in and connected to expanding and growing and evolving, because I mean, I don't know what else we would be here for.
2: Yeah.
0: I really don't know what the point would be, but that feels for me like what it's all about. And I'm like, and if you want to find out what you're really made of and discover things about yourself and. Have the blessing of the most incredible experiences and lessons and (laughs) go for it. In my head, I was like, oh, one day I'll have kids when my life looks like this and I've got X, Y, Z and boom, 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 and this is in place and I'm this age. And oh, God, no, that's all a load of crock. There's no perfect situation to bring a kid into. There's just your life and it is enough. Now, a
1: local artist mm-hmm. you would recommend people go and listen to?
0: Oh gosh, there's so many. Oh wow, this is going to be so random. And I'm going to like afterwards be like, oh my God, there were like all these 10 people that I really <laughs> wanted to say. So sorry to those people. But I'm just going to go with whatever pops into my mind. There's this amazing electronic DJ called Vanco. I would check him out. I'm loving Chiano Sky's new project called Amor, Amor. Mm. I feel like she's just kind of stepped into herself and found her thing. Mm. And it's really cool. I'm hoping to see more from her. There's an amazing young drag artist known as Lady Aphrodite. Yeah. And as far as drag artists go, like, just really bringing, like, a whole new level of, like, quality and styling and writing and producing her own music. Amazing. Original. Check out Lady Aphrodite. I'm going to kick myself because there's so many... I'm just gonna go with that for now. Yeah, that's a good and choice. And then I'll message you over the next week, saying, "Damn, damn, damn." <laughs> Socials. How can people get in touch with you mm. at Tomorrow Day and Day is D E Y, not D A Y, on most platforms. I'm on everything. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Tomorrow Day Official, Instagram. It's at Tomorrow Day, Facebook. You'll check out my fan page there, which got hacked not long ago. Mm. So I still can't like talk to people on the page at the moment, but I'm figuring it out. But I can post on it, so all my stuff's going out on there. Twitter, as at Tomorrow day, I'm not the most active on Twitter. As I said, I'm a bit of a shy extrovert. Yeah. I only really say things when I really have something important to say. But I'm a very visual person, so if you really want to get the best sort of taste of what I'm about, I guess Instagram would probably be my favourite platform, just because I post a lot of like what I love there, yeah. so it's art, and post a lot about my favorite artists and other creators that I love, and so it really is a, just a, a space where you can understand what I'm what I'm about because I like to express it in a lot of different ways, you know, mm. not just selfies.
1: Amazing! Mm-hmm. I have loved this interview. Thank Yay, you. Thank
0: you for letting me yabber on for I don't even know how many hours. And I appreciate this the subject matter. I think uh, you're raising an incredibly important question. Even just talking about it today, I realise we have to, again, you've got to get to the root of what the issue is. Yeah. And having these conversations will get us there. Totally. So it's so important. And then we can get to how we affect change. Yeah. Step one, tick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to all the parents in the music industry out there, guys, <laughs> my hat off to you everyone in the music industry right now my hat off to you but it is, it is a tough industry but yeah I mean to just parents out there I mean it is I think you don't know until you know yep. you know it's a mammoth job it's the best job in the world but it's a mammoth job so love and respect and uh, strength to everyone out there thank you <laughs>
1: This episode was made possible by the Music in Africa Foundation, the German Federal Foreign Office, Siemens Stiftung and Goethe Institute. The Music in Africa Foundation is a pan-African non-profit organization based in Johannesburg, South Africa, with satellite offices in East, West and Central Africa. Their mission is to support the African music sector through promoting knowledge exchange and creating opportunities and capacity for music professionals. I'm Shotgun Tori, and if you're an indie artist whose passion for what you do can inspire or fuel others, get in touch. I'd love to chat. You can find me on my website at ShotgunTori.com.
0: You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.